Hello and welcome to Mirror Fighting One to Watch with me, Rich Jones. This is the latest in a number of new shows and podcasts we've launched here at Mirror Fighting and in this series we'll be looking to bring you the inside track on some of the rising stars of the boxing world and tell their stories. Hopefully we'll be getting to hear a lot more from these guys in years to come as they rise through the ranks and make their way in the sport. Today's guest, well, it's cliched, but it's safe to say that boxing changed Derek Asazi's life as he turned to the sport as a teenager, having been expelled from school more times than he can remember. After winning Ultimate Boxer 3 last year, the middleweight is on track for an excellent career. So I spoke to the punching preacher about faith, family and his journey so far. He really is a fascinating character. He's had an unbelievable journey so far and he, he's a really interesting guy. Really enjoyed this interview. So let's get on to it and hopefully you'll enjoy hearing from him and getting to know him a bit better. Yes, yeah, so joined now by Derek Asazi. Uh, Derek, just wanted to sort of go from the very start, really. Um, yeah, born and raised in Peckham, was it? And then when did it all start the boxing journey for you? Um, so... For me, boxing just started, what, age 15? So I was about year 10, going into year 11, and basically just started boxing as a way to keep out of trouble. Um, I was, uh, i say, a very energetic individual growing up. Loved my sports. Uh, played for my school football team, rugby, basketball. Um, but I suffered with um, anger management issues. Um, so I realised, and a lot of people around me realised that, you know, those sports probably weren't the best sports for me to channel. Um, my extra energy if you want to call it that um, so a friend recommended um, boxing to me and um, boxing is always something I've, I've grown up watching uh, my family um, and it's always a sport I was you know uh, keen on trying if I ever got the opportunity um, so I thought you know what this may be a great way to sort of kind of um, you know channel my aggression or so per se because I was getting into a bit of trouble within sports especially football a lot of yellow cards red cards disciplinary so um, just found a local boxing gym um, and the rest was history so yeah started off just to keep out of trouble then became a hobby became a passion of mine then now it's a lifestyle because I'm a pro boxer so yeah that's the story really yeah in terms of you say sort of it kept you out of trouble I mean how did it change things for you was it pretty instant that as soon as you sort of fell in love with boxing it gave you something to focus on like just how did it sort of how did it change things really why did why did things change when you sort of got in the boxing gym um, I think for me the biggest thing is uh, that I learned from boxing and um, probably one of the biggest game changers was uh, self-discipline um, you know uh, it's one thing to be disciplined you know in terms of your commitment to the sport boxing is one of those sports that you can't have one foot in and one foot out you have to be completely committed so it's one thing being disciplined to be able to attend training um, to stay disciplined with your diet you know what I mean to stay disciplined with getting your runs done outside of training um, but also the self-discipline that required to you know be able to compete in the ring um, you know contrary to public belief boxing is not all about just going in there and just throwing loads of punches you have to be disciplined and knowing when to attack knowing when to defend you know what I'm saying and being able to stay calm so I think for me that was like a transferable skill um, that I learned I'd say I homed in quite a lot in the boxing gym and it sort of kind of helped me to be disciplined everywhere in my life in terms of education and whatnot. Um, so yeah, and I think it just made me um, a much more composed, calm individual. Um, like, you know, I can't, I can't uh, place enough emphasis on, you know, how amazing the sport of boxing is, is, is as, in terms of helping people sort of kind of turn their life around. Um, so for me, I think, yeah, self-discipline, um, was probably one of the biggest ones, um, probably the, one of the biggest transferable skills that sort of kind of 
I had on the knock-on effect in, in a positive way in other areas of my life. Yeah, and you mentioned education as well, and I know you sort of went on to yeah. sort of go to university. I guess that must have been a pretty big deal from where you were being in a lot of trouble before you started boxing. Uh, yeah, um, for me personally, I, I grew up in a household where education um, was, was placed at utmost high importance. Um, I was, what, number five out of six siblings. Um, so I was the fifth one to go to uni. Um, all my siblings before me had gone to uni uh, and graduated. So um, for me, you know, Maybe coming out of the area, um, it was seen as something that was quite um, different. But in my household and a lot of my friends and family, it was pretty much standard um, getting an education and going to university. Um, of course, at, at some point during my school time, that probably seemed unlikely. But still to this day, I don't know how many times I got excluded from school from year one to about year 10. The ones I can remember, I've counted about 16 or 17 times. So yeah. I really... Like I had no business finishing school. Um, so for me to even finish school, get my GCSEs, my A-levels, going to university, which what took me, which what brought me to not in the run base now, um, I think is nothing short of, you know, uh, <laughs> a bit of a testimony. Um, so yeah, so, but for me, like I said, education was, was very important in my household. And I felt like um, uh, getting an education was sort of kind of like my ticket to sort of kind of being able to focus on boxing full time. Um, so knowing that, I would like to think of my university degrees as a backup plan, but um, it's something that, you know, that's in the locker um, if ever needed. So, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that your family sort of placed obviously a lot of importance on your education and stuff like that. So what, what does the family make of when you said you were becoming a professional boxer? What, what did they make of it? <laughs> oh, man. I remember my mum's first reaction was, what about your face? <laughs> What's going to happen to your face, etc. cetera? Uh, my dad... Obviously, like I said, I got into a, bit, a lot of quite a bit trouble in school. A lot of it was for fighting. So the idea of my dad, uh, of me, who had been getting in trouble for fighting, now going to a boxing gym, still didn't make sense. <laughs> uh, he, was, he, he was scared that it would make me more aggressive and probably uh, make me um, get into a lot more fights, um, which I, I guess is understandable. Um, he was also a bit scared that I was sort of kind of getting into fights with my siblings and if I, and if I was a trained boxer then that wouldn't be good so at the beginning they weren't too keen on it um, if I'm being honest uh, but over time I think not only have they come to see the massive positive impacts had on my life um, but they've also seen just how serious I take the sport and how dedicated I am um, so they're probably the most supportive um, people in my career now in terms of my family um, so it's cool but yeah at the beginning they weren't too keen on it but I think in terms of the reasons why it's probably the more the more general reasons why any family member would be worried um, about their child or a loved one going into a sport like boxing because it is a dangerous sport um, so uh, I, I ended up having my first amateur fight when I came to university age 19 and I didn't even tell my parents that I started boxing again I literally just sent my dad a picture um, of after my first amateur win. <laughs> and I remember his reaction being like, since when did we start boxing again? Um, so it was kind of one of those things that I was uh, uh, a little bit stubborn, but um, in every positive way possible, um, that I just, I knew how much the sport meant to me. Um, and I was just, yeah, uh, so determined to, to see it through. And I think they've seen that and they support that. 
Yeah, and you mentioned that you had your first sort of amateur back when you were at university, and it seems like you yeah. sort of stepped up at university. That's quite quite an unusual route in a lot of ways. It's not really yeah. associated with, with boxers at the university box. Yeah, you won won books nationals and stuff like that, did you? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so for me, so though I, I was already sparring and I had my amateur card when I started age fifteen, um, but that was just before year eleven, just before my GCSEs. And um, I think it was just very hard to balance, um, obviously preparing for my exams and training. Um, so at the time where I was ready to fight, um, that was the time where my exams came up. So it was sort of kind of a thing where like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go straight from school straight to training. I'd get home at like 9, 10 p.m. So I wasn't getting any work done. So it was going to have a detrimental effect on my education. So it was hard to sort of commit to it. Same story through college and doing my A-levels. So I always knew when I got to uni, I'd have a bit more time on my hands. Um, I'd be able to manage my time more effectively. Um, so I'd always commit to boxing. Um, the first way, in terms of uh, when I came to Nottingham, I initially didn't go through the university route, boxing route. Um, at the time, the boxing wasn't very established in the university that I was at, Nottingham Trent, um, in terms of competing. It was more of a thing. They just met up a couple of times a week. They trained. There was a, a much bigger emphasis placed on the social aspects yeah. of the society. And yeah, that stood to sit well with me. So I sort of kind of like uh, um, just went and found an amateur club and done my own thing um, for a couple of years. The first club I started at was Phoenix ABC. Um, I think same club that Carl Froch came up at. Um, and then, um, so in my third year of uni and my master's year, that's when I went and competed on behalf of the uni in the British Nationals and I won it twice. Um, so after that, it was kind of good because it sort of kind of opened, um, it opened the way for boxing to be taken seriously as a sport and not in them trend. Um, because I literally just told them, look, I'm going to this tournament and whether you guys support me or not, I won it the first year and then after that they started to take a bit more notice and I think since then it's, it's, it's striving and gone from strength to strength that they actually have an active coach and they're competing now which is good um, so yeah so um, but yeah I just found that it was a bit easier for me balancing it you know with education and whatnot. Um, and I felt like you know when you, you, you're moving out of home you're in a new city new environment you're kind of in your own element so uh, it was something that I took quite in my stride to be honest um, yeah, so would yeah. it have been? Was it around that time that you, because you boxed for, or you reached out to box for Nigeria, didn't you? What, what was the, the story behind that? Was that around a similar time that you had a bit of, um, yeah, involvement with with the Nigeria team and stuff like that? Yeah, it was because I, I I think I won my first national title with the box in 2015. Um, I won the second one in 2016. So I think it was round about the first time that I had contact with them would be I think towards summertime um, in 2015 and um, the All Africa Games which was taking place in I think Brazil and Congo at the time in September 2015 was coming up and they initially invited me to come out there for camp um, they were going to put on a special camp for myself and another few other boxers who of Nigerian descent who were coming from America um, but that didn't materialise just due to the fact of which I expected that they already had their team um, set for that time um, so they, they did said that they would keep my name on record um, for the Olympic qualifiers and they actually did get in contact um, for me about the prospect of me coming to camp to sort of kind of uh, uh, basically have a camp with the squad to attempt to qualify via the African qualifiers 
Um, just unfortunately, it just came at the wrong time for me. Um, I'd come off the back of the injury. So at the time, I, I was about maybe 40%, 50% balancing that at the same time as trying to get through my Masters. Um, it just I couldn't have gone there given a good account of myself um, just based on it wouldn't have been 100% resident of me. Uh, so, you know, it's an opportunity that I unfortunately had to pass on. Um, so to be fair, but I look, I look back at it with no regrets. Um, you could always think, oh, what if, what if I'd went, who knows? Uh, but at the end of the day, it was nice to even sort of kind of, um, you know, even have that opportunity to be able to go. Um, also at that time, I was training with England a little bit as well, uh, but sort of kind of missed the opportunity to, to um, you know, uh, secure a spot because of injury. I experienced a lot of injuries in that last, my last two seasons of amateur. Um, so yeah, so that was the Olympic story. But like I said, it's not it's something I don't look back with um, with regret. Do you know what I mean? At the time, it just wasn't the right time. Um, so yeah, yeah. And obviously, you mentioned the injuries and stuff like that. And yeah, you had like I say, you had a couple of bad years with injury and stuff, didn't you? And was that that something that sort of yeah. influenced you turning professional when you did and, and sort of making a real go of it? Yeah, the injuries was one thing because it just seemed like they came up at the wrong time. It was always like I think there was two or three. Or maybe four consecutive championships where I would get in, I would get an injury literally just before. Um, I think so. By then, I think I was I was getting a bit bored of amateur boxing. Um, I felt like my style didn't suit amateur boxing, uh, even though um, I didn't do too quite. I didn't do bad at it. Um, I felt like I favoured the longer rounds, um, the three round sprint. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like the type of box. Um, the type of style that amateur boxing made me box, which I don't think is my natural style, which is more like a sprint. You know what I mean? Um, I like to think um, I'm an aggressive, fast-paced boxer, but at the same time, um, I like where I can, you know, adapt to what's in front of me and whatnot, and no mental fight, no mental box, no mental to up the pace. Um, so I think when you put everything together, I was getting bored of the amateurs, the injuries and stuff. So, it was in the back of my mind that in the last season or so that I was kind of getting enticed by the program. I was training um, my coach, Brian Tabrad, my current coach now. In my, I started training with him in November 2015. So around about the last two, the last about two years uh, of my amateur career. And obviously he was training um, Echo Essen at the time, who's my current stable mate. Um, he had just turned over in 2016. Um, he had been a pro himself, so... Yeah, it was almost like I felt like there was a lot of dangled parents in front of me. Um, so at the time, uh, when I went into the last ABAs, um, that was my first. I went into the first round of the ABAs, not having boxed for a year and a half. Um, it was obviously the elites. And um, of course, I said that some of the best boxers in the country. Um, I didn't get the result in the first round. And after that, I just thought, you know what, I need to, I need to go pro. And that was even at the time where, even after that loss, I'd still been called up to a few England camps. Um, uh, but still, I just felt that yeah, the pro game was where I wanted to go. So yeah, so I think a combination of everything really. Yeah, a lot of sort of dangled carrots, and it's coming together now. But I imagine a pretty tough slog the first few professional fights. Sort of, you know, it can be a, can be a slow start. I imagine. What were the early sort of uh, first few fights like? What was that, what was it like when you first turned pro? Was it a bit of a challenge? A bit tough? Um, for me, in terms of I think training wise, fight wise, I wouldn't say um, it was tough. I'd say, I'd say, you know, it was challenging. 
Um, but I think those are elements where I'd, I'd, I adapted to quite well um, because because I've already I'd already been training with my coach Brandon Brown and Mark Howe um, for the part, for the last two years or, or so of my amateur career. You know, I was always I was already training at a, a higher intensity as an amateur. Um, so sort of kind of transitioning into the pros, I, I don't think that was extremely difficult. It was challenging. Um, I think more the most challenging element of my pro career at the beginning, which the side that they don't really talk about enough, is the box is the boxing business side. It's the business side, you know, yeah. things like selling tickets, um, sponsorship, all that stuff. Um, that was probably the most stressful element um, of the beginning of my pro career, and I think most boxers will will, uh, will have something to say about that as well. And I feel like it's a part of the sport that it's not spoken enough about. Um, but it's the harsh realities of, you know, the business side of boxing is probably not the most favourable area of boxing. But I'd say that that was more the side that sort of kind of I began to learn a lot fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you have no choice. Um, but in terms of training, adapting to the training and stuff, that was pretty much cool. It was challenging, but it wasn't like a massive, well, I don't want to do this, you get what I mean? So I'd say more the business side of boxing, tickets, etc. That was probably the biggest headache so early in my pro career. Yeah, and then Ultimate Boxer came along. Uh, quite an, obviously, quite a new thing. Well, still quite a new thing, but yeah. I think it was the second one. Um, something a bit new. Um, just tell us about that night from the start. I mean, what were the thoughts going into it? Obviously, you entered it. Was it always? A, you know, were you always going to enter it when it? Were there any doubts about the whether it was the right decision? A bit of a risk, and, and then just tell us about that night and, and how it unfolded. Um, so yeah, so it was the third edition of Boxer. Um, I still remember the day my manager rang me and basically said, look, this opportunity to come up. Um, so I'd already heard about the tournament um, from when they first um, had done the first one. Um, and I always said that if I ever got an opportunity to enter a tournament like that, you know I mean? Especially because I grew up like, watching prize writers. I said, yeah, no brainer. It was probably the easiest, quickest decision I've ever made in my life. Like, my manager called me and said, look, this opportunity came up. I said, yeah, take it. Um, I, I, at that moment in time when I said yes, I didn't even know who was in the tournament. I didn't know who, what other boxers, records, etc. I literally didn't find out probably up until maybe like two months after agreeing to be in it when I went for the first media day. And I got there and I realised, okay, I know this guy, I've sparred with this guy, but I really wasn't bothered. Um, and I think going into the tournament, there was, um, I think, an, an, an insane level of confidence um, for obviously for someone... Uh, with my experience coming into that tournament, do you know what I mean, I was only what six fights in. There was guys in there who were 10, 12 fights in, Southern Area champions. Do you know what I mean? English title challenges, but I was just always so extremely confident that you know I was I wasn't coming out of that tournament nothing short of you know winning the whole thing. My team was confident. You know, my family, people closest to me were confident. So going in there. I think I was a bit of an underdog or a dark horse or whatever they want to call it, but never in my mind did I ever look at myself as an underdog or dark horse. So I kind of knew um, the route as well. I, I, I knew that I'd probably have the toughest run to the final. I knew that if I was going to win it, I was probably going to box the, the, the two other best boxers, or I'm sorry, three other best boxers in the tournament. And I think I did. Um, I think Kieran Conway, Grant Dennis, and probably Taylor, other than myself, or probably the next three best boxes. Um, so, but yeah, like it was just one fight at a time, one round at a time, and going in there was literally just making it as uncomfortable 
for my opponent as possible. You know, the whole game plan was, you know, work rate, starting fast in the front foot. It's only three rounds. You ain't got time for to implement a game plan like most players take three rounds to warm up. So literally it was sort of kind of, kind of having to revert back to the old amateur style and just sort of kind of aggression and pressure. Do you know what I mean? And um, so my thing was literally after the right after the first round, you should really want to be in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was sort of going for. So in terms of like, was it a boxing masterclass? No. Uh, did I show uh, my full level of skill and ability? No. Like, like if you ask me now, do I even look back and watch those fights? Maybe sometimes, but do I look back at it from a technical point of view? No, because at the end of the day, I knew that that's just what I needed. I boxed how I needed to, to box just to win. Um, but in terms of technically, I, I, I don't take away anything from that fight. Like, oh, um, I've done this amazing. It was just literally just go out there and do what you need to do to win. Um, but yeah, like it was an amazing achievement. Obviously, it's, it's um, something that will go along down in probably one of my fondest memories in boxing. But um, yeah, it's a highlight of my career. And I say specifically a highlight because I don't want it to be the highlight. So it's kind of happened. That's what it is. I want to move on from it and just kick on and just, yeah, um, go on to bigger and better things. So I believe that the tournament was a great stepping stone. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and you've got the, this nickname, sort of the, the punching pastor. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, about your faith as well because I know faith is something that's sort of very important to you. Just tell me a little bit about the role that plays in, in your everyday life and in boxing and everything really. Um, I say my faith is my faith is everything to me my faith is who I am um, I say my faith is my identity um, I can't really put into words how important uh, my faith is to me um, so uh, definitely I wouldn't be boxing um, if not for my faith my faith has sort of kind of got me through some of the, the harder times in life um, it's helped me come through some of the, the biggest challenges I've faced um, so I definitely, you know, wouldn't be where I am now in my life if not the fact of my faith. Um, in terms of, I say, I always get asked questions like, how did it come about? So I, I grew up in a Christian household, um, grew up attending church on a Sunday. That was a normal thing. Um, obviously, when I moved out of home, out of London, I moved to Nottingham for university. Um, I quickly realised that I think it was a day that somebody asked me, oh, like, where did you go to church? And I couldn't answer the question other than, wow, this is just something that I knew that we just we do on a Sunday. And um, I think from that time, when I couldn't really answer that question, I, I began to identify that, you know, going to church on a Sunday was just like a, an exercise. It was a routine. Um, I didn't really understand why I was going or whatnot. So I, I think there was a long period where I sort of kind of fell off a bit. I didn't take my faith seriously. I stopped attending church for like two years. I became very lazy um, in my walk with God. And it was just like sometime, sometime in my final year, um, not that nothing was going wrong in my life. Um, things were actually going really well. Um, but I just felt like an element. Something was missing. Um, so I remember I just sat in my room one day and I just made a decision to myself that, you know, I'm going to take my faith in God a lot more seriously. I'm going to start going to church again. Um, there was a Christian society um, at my university called Radical Youth that I got involved with. And I knew about for years previously. And yeah, the rest was history, really. Um, I felt like God just sort of kind of took me from strength to strength and just began to show me so many different things. And yeah, that was what, towards the back of end of 2014. And then, yeah, the rest was history. I got involved in my church, got involved with the leadership of my youth group. 
And maybe four years later, after being married, after then becoming ordained as a minister, I'm now a youth pastor. So that's how the nickname, The Punch of Breacher, came about. I hated that nickname at first, I'm being honest, you know. It made me sound like some WWE character. It was my manager, <laughs> Jimmy Gill. Yeah. Even before I got ordained officially, because um, there was a period where after my master's, I worked in my church, in the church and administration office for about a year. Um, so even before I was ordained officially, he was calling me the punch and preacher. And I remember every time he said it to me, I just felt like like a flame in my chest. Like I was just angry because it just it sounded like yeah, it just sounded like a WWE character. Um, but after a while, um, I started to warm to it because I understood that the nickname, first of all, it wasn't a lie. Like I do punch, and sometimes I do preach. Um, but I understood that their nickname was 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 it was bigger than me, and it was more than just a nickname. Um, for me, it was it was almost like a form of evangelism. It always um, was the reason for many interesting conversations, starting with loads of various different people I don't even know. Um, one, maybe people from the sporting world and the boxing world, um, interested in sort of kind of you know how someone, a man of faith, first of all, how do you get into that faith? How did that tie in with boxing? And it also opened up, you know, people in the church to a whole different world of sport and stuff like they're two, I'd say two areas that maybe don't always often mix. Um, so I felt like it's been since then I've seen the importance of it, um, of it just being more than a nickname. I've had people approach me um about advice about, you know, their walk with God and like people who have felt inspired to sort of kind of you know, talk about their faith more boldly and proudly. So I understand now that it's, it's, it's a lot more than just a nickname. Which, I mean, I feel like to a lot of people who don't know God, who may not believe in God, I sort of kind of, to them, I could be a representation of, you know, what it means to be a Christian and vice versa. There may be a lot of people in the church who are not open to the world of sport and stuff who might be often in their closed communities within church who now sort of kind of can see, you know, many people like myself who are trying to bridge the gap between, you know, the church and the the outside world. So, yeah. Yeah, and now you sort of try and bridge that gap and also know you've got, is it the AIM Youth sort of project and stuff like that? Yeah. You that on your, your social media. Tell us a little bit about that and why you're sort of so passionate about that sort of work. Um, so, yeah, so passionate about working about young people. So Amy for the organization I started about two years ago officially. Um stands for Aspire, Inspire, Motivate. And it's basically all about just helping young people maximize their potential. So for many years I was um I've been going into schools um, doing assemblies, uh, motivational talks, um, a lot of the work I do now, intervention, uh, working with kids that may have been on the verge of getting kicked out of school, um, mentoring and um, things like that. So when did that stem from? When I was 16, I started football coaching. <laughs> so I was actually, um, funny fact, I'm actually a qualified FA football coach. I used to scout for um, the Millwall Youth Academy. I worked for Tottenham for a bit and I also coached in Canada. So um, I think when I'd done that for quite a number of years, I realised that actually my real passion was just working with young people and helping young people develop you know, and fulfill their potential. Um, I noticed this because in football, I was never interested in working with adults or, yeah. or working with like their professional side. I always enjoyed like the Sunday league stuff I did with like UPO and just more than just, you know, teaching them how to play football, helping them develop as players, but helping them develop as people. Um, so I, I ended up doing a lot of work with a lot of youth charities, national citizen service. And so regularly I was already doing the work 
of going into schools and stuff. And it was like two years ago where I made it more official and um, started to do it a lot more regularly. Um, so that's something I'm very passionate about um, because I felt like for me growing up and where I grew up, um, I'm very lucky that I had, you know, certain positive role models around me and I had certain opportunities. So I just want to sort of kind of do my bit to help and just give back. Um, so, yeah. It just helped develop the next generation, man. So yeah, man, it's something I'm really passionate about. And yeah. Yeah, is that a motivation on the boxing side as well? Obviously, you know, the more successful you are and the bigger profile you get in the ring, I guess, you know, the, the bigger platform you're gonna have to, to reach people and change people's lives. Is that something that you sort of think about sometimes and, and motivates you a bit or a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, some of the massive ideas that I have or some of the stuff that I want to do, um, of course will require a certain amount of capital. Um if my boxing career enables me to sort of kind of, you know, puts, it, it puts me in a position where um, some of these ambitions or stuff that I have um, with what I want to do in youth work, if that enables it, then great. But um, I'm not, at the same time, um, I don't think that's my motivation. My motivation is, like I said, just to, I want to become a world champion and whatever happens, happens. But um, regardless of how, whatever money I make in the sport, you know, that's not an excuse for me not to even try and make a difference now, you know. Um, so I think, of course, it's always great to make to, to make an impact on a massive scale, but um, as long as you're making an impact, I always say, you know, if we all got a stone and threw it in the pond, you know, regardless of the size of the stones that we have, whether you throw a little pebble or a massive stone, it's all going to make ripples, do you know what I mean? Some ripples bigger than others. So, of course, um, I think about my career maybe in future, putting me in a position to do a lot more. At the same time, um, that's not to say that with what I have now and the platform I have now, that I can't do something now, or what I am doing. Um, so, yeah. And I, I saw you, you recently became a father, didn't you? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> for that. And oh, thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter the other day, but yeah, congratulations. And, and just how, obviously it's early days, but how does that change your perspective as well? Because I know I've, I, I haven't got any kids myself yet, but I know everyone says it obviously changed yeah. your perspective massively. Like from your perspective, what, what's it been like so far? How has it sort of changed your outlook? Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been really cool, man. Um, he's literally only what, he's a, uh, Malachi, he's only what, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be two weeks on Sunday. He was actually born on my birthday, funny enough. Uh, so it was kind of cool spending my birthday in the hospital but uh, uh, no, it's an amazing feeling man um, in terms of like I can't say it's something that I've really you know like spent a lot of time in deep thought about in terms of the effect or anything but for me personally um, I think nothing changes really it's just I just have you know one more person to to, to look after and care about do you know what I'm saying um, yeah. I would say that it's kind of made me even more driven. Not to say that I wasn't driven before, but in a way, I kind of think it makes it more dangerous <laughs> because I just have more, more people and I have more reasons and more motivations to fight for. Um, so, so yeah, um, I think going forward in my career, um, like I said, it's, it's it's an amazing source of motivation for me as well, and it's just it's just great. Do you know what I'm saying? I've always dreamt of you know starting having a family. I've been married about three years now, 
Um, so starting a family now and stuff is just it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's been cool. I'm still managing to get sleep here or there. <laughs> been doing my fair share of early morning or late night feeds or whatnot. But yeah, he's been cool, mate. He's a, he's a proper chilled out baby as well. So <laughs> I think he looks like he wants to get into boxing himself because he can't stop. Can't stop holding his fist by his face. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, but yeah, man, it's been cool. Yeah, I hope not. I hope he goes into another sport, maybe like basketball. But if he tries to do boxing, I can't, I can't stop him. If that's what he wants to do, I'd love for him to go into something else, man. Um, so yeah, yeah. And um, just in terms, of, well, I guess with that, you say you, you'd like him to go into something else, but you wouldn't stop him. But did it, did that sort yeah. of take you back a little bit when you think about it? Now, can you sort of relate a bit more to your parents when you were boxing? One hundred percent. I can one hundred percent relate. Um, one hundred percent and similar to my parents you know whether I may like the decisions that he makes or not at the end of the day you know that's my son and I'll support him whatever he wants to do I'd love for him to to play basketball and get to the NBA so I can sit courtside in the NBA finals that'd be great do you know what I mean and plus there'd be no pressure on him to achieve um, you know anything well not like that but I think you know, for him, if he wanted to do boxing, I'd try my best to talk him out of it. But I just wouldn't want him to feel like he had to do it just because I was a boxer. Um, I'm not yeah. that type of person, man. That like, you know, forge your own path in it. Do you know what I mean? If that's something he decides to do, great. But I would never let him do it if he felt like he was only doing it because of me or because he felt like he had to. Then yeah, I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, but definitely I can. I can relate to my parents to see where they're coming from now. But basketball's not so bad, and I like basketball. So if that means I get to yeah. sit courtside at the NBA finals, that'd be great. Yeah, you take that. And, and you, I mean, you seem sort of such a calm, sort of level-headed guy. Obviously, you say how important your faith is to you. But when it comes to like the day of a fight, obviously boxers talk a lot about you know fight day. What what's what are you like on yeah. fight day? Do you sort of do you change a little bit? Do you sort of are you one of those people that's sort of pacing up and down, can't wait to get in there? Are you pretty relaxed? Like what what's What's the sort of transformation like on fight day or fight night? I'm, I'm probably more or less the same, you know. Like, if you see me before my fights, you wouldn't think I'm fighting. Um, yeah. Very relaxed. Um, I'm just a happy-go-lucky person, man. I'm a bit, I like to have a good time. So if you see me before my fights, I'm just laughing, busting jokes with my coach. Um, in fact, we've actually been told, you know, by some of my previous opponents, by their coaches and stuff that, you know, that how calm I am and how calm we are as a team is quite intimidating because yeah. <laughs> like um, I, I'm not one to be pacing up and down like uh, of course I'm in the zone but everyone finds their zone differently do you know what I mean and I think um, I'm most dangerous when I'm calm and I'm relaxed um, so yeah so if you see me around fights you wouldn't think I'm fighting I'm just I'm just cool I just do me really man and when I get in the ring and the bell goes um, yeah it's, it's, it's at the end of the day it's the spot it's, uh, it's boxing it's a martial arts to hit and not be hit it's nothing personal but um, in the ring I'm there to win I'm there to do a job so yeah I've been told that people I've been told that I look like I have split personalities because I'm a nice guy outside the ring and I turn <laughs> to a complete opposite when I'm in the ring but at the end of the day it's just uh, do you in it like and me I'm just a calm person I don't try to force anything man um, you know what I mean I'm, I'm, I'm not going to you know, force like trying to act certain way before my fights or trying to force myself into being in the zone. So yeah, I'm just calm, cool, relaxed, chill out, listen to music, chat to my people and the change room and stuff. Yeah, that's it really. And final one from me, it's been a great great to chat to you. But um yeah, what what next I think you got a fight coming up, haven't you? And uh, yeah, what's what's the future holding the short term for yourself? 
Um, so yeah, so not looking. So obviously my next fight, next assignment is 10th of November. Um, should be fighting I'm a very good opponent. Um, someone who's going to come to win, which is good. It's my first one in over a year. So um, of course, uh, last I boxed last last September. Was meant to be out in December, but unfortunately the show got cancelled a few days before. Then obviously picked up an injury earlier this year um, in January. Literally just got back into full training properly around like March, and then it was lockdown. So yeah. it hasn't been the most ideal um, year and a bit. But I think it's just this one. Just not trying to look too far ahead. Um, just getting back into the ring, getting back into the swing of things, pick up the momentum again. I feel like I had quite a good spell of momentum before. Um, in terms of up until my last fight so just building up the momentum again and um, I'd love to get out um, one more time before the end of the year if that's possible um, if not then we look to picking up some belts next year do you know what I mean I just want to win titles um, so so that's the plan really um, going forward long term is whatever belt is available and stuff I want to be fighting for it. I just want to keep progressing my career I want to keep moving up so um, that's why I trust my management my team promoters um I just focus on my training um, and they also, I trust them to make the best decisions for my career. Um, but not thinking too far ahead, I've got a job to do on the 10th of November. So once I get that out of the way, um, then we can see what's happening next. I think the first one is just sort of kind of get back into the swing of things again, bust off the cobwebs and just pick up the momentum again. So yeah. Nice one. Cheers, Derek. That was great. Really, really enjoyed speaking to you and all the best in, in November.